Joy Slightly Delayed, but still excellently awesome DBSA podcast. DBSA stands for Dear Bitches Smart Authors, and we call it the DBSA podcast because iTunes doesn't like the word bitches when it's in their podcast directory, but it's like totally fine with it in the rap and alternative and modern rock directory. Not that I'm bitter. We talk about romance novels. I'm Sarah Wendell from Smart Bitches Trashy Books, and with me is Jane Lick from DearAuthor.com. This week's podcast is all about summer reading, but first, a note about the podcast that wasn't. I recorded about an hour and a half worth of audio at Romantic Times. There was a reader named Kate, and authors, and even Janine from Dear Author stopped by and joined in the conversation, and it was most excellent, but I made a most grievous error. I recorded in the bar. I'm sure you're laughing right now because recording at the bar at Romantic Times is probably the worst place to try to grab usable audio, so of course I ended up with audio that sounds like four of us or six or at one point eight of us are having a conversation inside a very loud well, and I can't figure out a way to distinguish the voices, so I had to scrap it, and I am so sorry. I will attempt to do a much better podcast at RT next year. This week, however, barring any and all extremely acrobatic attempts to salvage audio. We're going to talk about summer reading. We're going to talk about books that are available right now, coming in July, and even some in August. So if you were hoping to build a summer reading list of romance, we're here to help. And now, on with the podcast. So have you read Her Best Worst Mistake by Sarah Mayberry yet? No, have not read it. Oh, you would really, really like it. You know, it's got I think all I've the read... things you like. Here, here's the problem. You, you know, you, it's been reviewed on Dear Author, so it's like a luxury item. Yes, <laughs> I totally understand what you mean. Exactly. I mean, you feel like you got to put out three, four books or reviews a week. I, yep. I, it's a luxury. Read, you can't be reading something that's already been read or that you don't intend to review. I'm intrigued by that Swedish book you read, though. Oh, God. It was so interesting. Like, I kept saying to Adam, I don't understand why I'm liking this so much. Leave me alone. I'm in Sweden. It was, of all the things that I liked about the Stig Larsson books was that you got this really in-depth, in you know, sort of portrait of what it was like to live in Sweden. It was dark a lot. It was cold a lot. But there was sort of a way of life that was portrayed in that book, even though the setting was completely out of control, weird, and the people were all trying to kill each other. This had that same sort of attention to minutia where you would learn about what it was like to live in Stockholm as a waitress. And even if the heroine wasn't exactly sympathetic at every moment, I still wanted to ride around on her shoulder and just see what she was doing. And when I finished the book, I was really bummed. And I almost thought about going to find... No, I did. I did look online to see if I could find more um, English translations of this author's books, and there aren't that many. And unlike the people who are on my site telling me, well, I'm in Finland, but I can read Swedish, so I'm going to buy it in Swedish. I can't read Swedish. I can't read Finnish either, so I have to wait till it's translated. It's not a romance. The, 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 the romantic happenings in the book are very, very understated and don't happen till the very end, and they're almost unsatisfying, but it was so interesting to read it. I, it's a good palate cleanser. You know what I mean? Sure. It's close enough to what we read, but it's not exactly that. But if you'd like, I will send you my copy. Well. It's a luxury <laughs> item, I know. It's kind of a luxury <laughs> item. However, speaking of luxury items, I have a total bone to pick with you. Oh, you know, no. like, you know how if you, like, if, if there's already a review under your author, 
you feel like reading the book is a luxury. If you are, if you guys are promoting something, I feel like joining on is just sort of overkill and I should look elsewhere. So I was not going to read overseas and I started it and damn it, it has totally sucked me in. Oh my God. I'm losing like hours of my day here. Like what's going on in this book? I can't put it down. You know, there's, um, there's a lot of things wrong in that book, but it was really, you know, the, the, the romance is very epic in nature, and I think yes. that has its own appeal. Totally. Totally, totally. And the other thing is that when the characters are speaking to one another, the, the emotions are so present, and the author has a way of writing in the emotion in such a way that if you pick it down and you put it back up, you remember where you left off emotionally. I sent you the books by Juliana Gray, right? I don't remember. I think you did. It was A Gentleman Never Lies. Yes, and a, yes. And, and I liked them. They're very much, I think, in the vein of um, more of a more of a lighthearted Sherry Thomas. I don't want to say lighthearted. Like, sort of like Kate Noble? Yeah, I think that's a pretty good dis- uh, comparison. I love Kate Noble books. Love, well, then, love, love, then love. I think that you would like this. The, They're the on first the queue. The first one is set in they're, – they're both set in Italy, and the first one involves um, uh, race car driving. Set they're in historical? The late, set in the late 19th century, and um, the, they're c- inventors trying to compete to create the best automobile engine. And they're different – Dude, that's type. cool. Yeah, I just thought it was kind of neat, different. Oh, that's very cool. So there's a car race, actual car race in the book at the end. I'm I'm signed up. I'm I'm down. Let's do it. I, I the thing that I'm struggling with with overseas is that I don't know if it's the way that I have the text because as you know I crank up the text size. It is a long book. It is a really long book. Like I keep looking down, going, "Wow, I got a lot of reading to do." Oh well, I'm enjoying it. It is it is really easy to get sucked in by that book. Just, there you go. So I'm sorry, but that's okay. Um, I'm not really that mad. <laughs> hopefully, you'll enjoy it. You got it. Um, I I was reading the Tessa Dare book last night at your Which recommendation. One, a week to be wicked or a lady by midnight? Um, is it about the woman who wants to take the dinosaur to Scotland, or is it about the woman who doesn't have a family and this brooding soldier guy is looking out for her? The second one. Yeah, that's the la- that's a lady by midnight. Are you yep. liking it? Yeah, I am liking it. Although, you know, the her family just showed up and I kind of rolled my eyes. Yeah, they are just a big bundle of sequel bait. They just sort of roll in with a bunch of carriages and you're like, oh, sequel bait. There you are. All of you. Convenient. In one big scene. I would have probably preferred that she remained an orphan, but I well, suppose- keep reading. Keep reading. Okay. Because it, 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 the, the ending, I was thinking, wow, I have a lot of respect for the way that the character ended it when, and wound it up. But I can imagine some romance readers going, no, 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 don't do that. Um, I really liked it. Well, I'm reading it, although I don't know if I'll get to review it because Dabney said she wanted to review it. (laughs) You're the boss. Tell her no. (laughs) No, I never tell people that because I'm always happy that they're going to generate some content like, okay whatever have you read the uh jill shalvis because you're a jill shalvis fan aren't I you am. i am i am so have you read her next three books the lucky harbor four five six right i have not i have not i'm not sure i want to read the next one because from what i can tell the conflict is 
I don't want a relationship. I don't want a relationship. No, wait, maybe I do. No, I don't. No, I do. No, I don't. No, I do. I don't. The end. Well, Not my that's, favorite. Pretty, that's a pretty standard Jill Shelvis. It is a pretty standard Jill Shelvis, but sometimes she whips that up into something awesome. And I love when she overlays the, I don't think I want a relationship, but I can't stop thinking about you. Damn it. I really don't like how much I like you. That's my favorite conflict. They're related. It's quite tricky. So I really liked Head Over Heels, where I know you didn't. And I really love Instant Attraction. I'm not sure if I'm going to like number four, but I think I'm going to like number six. Why have you read them? <laughs> well, I didn't love number four, but I thought number five. <laughs> four lucky versus five lucky. You thought, you thought number five was good? Yeah, I, I thought that that I'm, I'm not ready for commitment, but I find myself inexplicably attracted to you worked in book five where it hadn't worked for me in previous books really oh awesome i will that's um at last right right i have forever in a day i think i have at last too i'm gonna have to look it up that's you, number six yeah. i'm intrigued by that book because um but i had heard some negative things about some about it from some people who had read it so i have to say i have a small pet peeve because i'm looking at the front matter for a book right now and it says something about the book, blah, blah, blah. These people are great. These, 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 this couple's amazing. I love this. It was one of my favorite contemporary romances. And it's signed goodreads.com. Okay, now look, <laughs> all of Goodreads did not say that. One person on Goodreads said it. And I don't care if their name is Snuggle Sparky Puppy. You put Snuggle Sparky Puppy at Goodreads. Or you contact Snuggle Sparky Puppy, whatever, and, <laughs> and you say, ask for their name. Hey, I'd love to quote your piece in the front matter of the book. What was should I? How should I attribute it? Yes, exactly. All right, let's talk summer reading books coming out this summer. Do you want to talk about books we're excited about? I mean, because would we be doing the douchebag thing of talking about early releases or if we tell everyone we're going to talk about early releases, you can turn the podcast off now and revisit <laughs> it in June, then well, it's no longer a douchebag discussion. Well, this podcast will probably be coming out after Memorial day. So some of the books will be available. All right. Well, um, I'm going to go open my arc drawer. Just a minute. Gonna open your arc drawer like is it a physical drawer or are you talking like a folder on your computer i i have um a new um a oh, drawer. my microphone over here i have a new chest in my living room and just for arcs yes oh my god that's amazing okay so perhaps our rule should be if we're going to talk about a book that's coming out in the summer we talk about a book that's also available now okay you think we can do it um, I'm, well, let's see. I have some August and September art. So I'll all right, let's start with those. Let's start with those. Don't. Oh, don't. I have Lorelai James's One Night Rodeo. I need to get the art for that because I think I'll like that. Why do you think you'll like it? The thing I don't like about Lorelai James's Sam Hain books are the, the dialect. The letter G. Yes, the lack of the letter G. What is wrong with the letter G? She doesn't like it. You know what's kind of funny is this Kristen Ashley chick that I had been reading, only the male characters speak without the letter G. All the female characters were capable of using the letter G. Oh my, that's interesting. So the thing I like about 
uh, Lorelai James's um, signet books is that they have the letter G. They have the letter G in them. But this, that should but be a I promo quote. This, I don't think they're as sexy uh, as the Sam Hain books. I think they tone down the sexiness of them, which is, I would like, I would like the Sam Hain books with just the letter G, I think. The Sam Hain books are really very hot. There is a lot of acrobatic sex in the Lorelai James books. And I've recommended them to people. Amazing, flexible cowboys without the letter G. Not just the acrobatic sex. I feel like some of the, emo the emotional tension has been stripped away. I don't in the, know. In the Signet books or in the Sam Hain books? In the Signet books. Oh, I think so too. They were, they were not as emotional as... As the as the Sam Hain books, there's one of the Rough Riders series. I hope I can remember which one um, that ends up in a polyamorous marriage with two guys and a girl. And the whole issue of all of their feelings for one another made it really compelling to say nothing of the acrobatic sex. And the the circumstances were that the the two men had been in a gay relationship early on, which I think was part of the first book of the series. And then one of them went back to Brazil and the other married this woman. And then the Brazilian guy comes back and finds out that this person that he couldn't stop thinking about is now married to a woman. And so he thinks it's over, but it's not. That's kind of huge. And she totally builds the emotion into the story while they're having sex hanging from the ceiling pretty much. That takes a lot of skill. It's one of the reasons I like the series. If that's stripped away in the Signet books, that's very sad. Do you, I, I get a lot of repeat arcs. Do you? Oh, you get two or three of the same? Yes. Yes. Not only that, but I get two or three of the, the finished copies too. Like I have three copies of Meg Cabot's um, uh, Underworld. I have two. I have to seriously it's to the point where if I get multiples of a finished copy I start bringing them with me to doctor's appointments and I give them to the receptionist yesterday we had to go to the post office to renew um my older son's passport and I brought along two bags of the duplicate finished copies of paperbacks that I got and just gave them to the postal worker and was like here have some romance happy summer reading because I got three copies of each one what am I supposed to do you know I feel kind of bad for authors who blurb and then they really mean it as opposed to authors who always say, oh, my God, this book was amazing and I never want to read anything else except this book ever again. And then people are like, no, really, this book was really good. It doesn't matter anymore because once you know that cover blurbs are worthless, they, they, none of them are valuable. Well, I used to um, pay attention to a particular author's recommendations. And then after two really bad recommendations, I took her out of my trust circle. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so what do you recommend? That's coming out in June. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Okay. Well, that's me... next month as opposed to November where I know you're reading now. <laughs> I'm not reading November. No, August. she's not. She's reading December, people. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have I – am, I am now on a very strict schedule. Are you? I have, I have very strictly scheduled myself. I have a folder for each month and I read that month during that month and in that folder – are books that are coming out at the end of that month or the beginning of the next. See, you were a terrible influence on me trying to tell me that the end of the month is the following month. So in, in the May folder are books that come out from May 10th to June 10th. And if that's their debut date, then they go in the May folder. And then June is June 10th through July 10th. So I'm reading just over the border of what's about to come out. So I'm not too far behind and I'm not too far ahead because I took a break to read the Tessa Dare book, which comes out in August because I wanted to read it so badly. And I had the copy and I figured, well, you know, 
goody. I, I should take advantage of this this one ARC that I've been lusting after and read it right when I get it because I'm so excited about it and it was totally worth it. But I felt like such a douche saying, oh my God, it was so good. Pre- pre-order it because then I felt like I was bragging and I was an asshole. I don't let myself do that very often. Most of the time, very strict. Well, aren't, <clears throat> you are very you are making me envious. Envious? Yeah, because I am not that um, organized. Try yes, to but be. if you were to visit our homes, you would laugh and laugh because your house is quite clean and organized, and mine is not. The only thing that's organized is my Kindle. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only place of organization in my world is my Kindle. <laughs> at my at some june releases and i haven't read a lot of june releases i have a couple Um, i have a couple to recommend you go first then okay um i really liked the shannon stacy short story slow summer kisses and that comes out june 4th and i liked it almost as much as i loved holiday sparks which is still my favorite contemporary novella overall i could reread holiday sparks anytime I liked Slow Summer Kisses, even though I felt like the relationship was a little bit rushed in the story, I still loved it. I thought it was great. And I especially like that the hero is perfectly content to live on the lake and not have like a driven career. He was very happy to just do his thing and be where he was and be happy. But he recognized that the girl that he liked, who had a lot of ambition, was not going to be happy with his life and he was willing to compromise without really giving up any of himself. Whereas she had to learn that ambition wasn't the only thing that was going to make her happy, but she could still have ambition. There's nothing wrong with it. I hate contemporary romances where the the heroine has to be cured of her ambition because such things are not good and she should want to be in a small town making pie. Now, ambition is perfectly acceptable. You don't need to have just that in your life, but having some isn't bad. I liked the Ruthie Knox book about last night. Oh, I did too. I liked it a lot. Um, there, I it it was not perfect, but I liked it more than the first book that she wrote, which I also enjoyed. Um, so yeah, I like that one as well. And I'm gonna read a night like this by Julia Quinn with the expectation that it will be like the last one. It will be visiting and um, sort of. Uh, I think I described it as mineral water when it's cold and fresh. It's awesome. And when you think about it or let it come to room temperature, it's not very good. I'm expecting sort of a confectionary joy that isn't going to be like a a whole simmered meal. Nothing wrong with confectionary joy. That's right. That's why I'm looking forward to it. Um, And the Karina Bliss uh, June book, the um, Bring Him Home. Oh, I love that book. I see now. (laughs) See, you see what happens? Uh, I start bringing up all these June books. Why don't you just pull up your June listing on DA of all the books that are coming out in June? I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> Happy to help. <laughs> I liked her best worst mistake. We talked about that earlier. I liked, I really liked the Sarah Mayberry book, but I also read right after it, I read Hot Island Nights. I read them in reverse order. Mm-hmm. And I liked her best worst mistake better. Whereas, um, this woman I was corresponding with about it, Karen, was saying that she liked Hot Island Nights better. And I thought I liked her best worst mistake better just because in Hot Island Nights, the heroine doesn't really know who she is because she's spent her life doing what everyone has expected her to do. But I didn't really feel like she truly knew who she was or knew what she wanted by the end of the story. 
in every respect. I felt like she, okay, well, she knows that she wants this guy and she can teach so she can do that. And she wants to stay where she is. But I felt like she didn't quite understand herself all the way. Although I did, she have a, did have a spine by the end, which made me happy. I loved her best worst mistake because both characters were who they were. And initially they didn't like each other because of that. And then they had to understand which parts of their impression of the other were false and which parts were actually true and somewhat more admirable once you knew the reason. They didn't change. They just understood each other better. I liked that very much. So I, and, and I haven't read the Sarah Maybird book and, and we've talked briefly about why I haven't read it because it's a luxury item for me. But do you feel, how would you compare about last night with her best worst mistake? Because I understand that there's a similar dynamic there is a similar dynamic. Um, the hero in in Hot Island Nights is no, no, no. Oh. I'm, I'm the the Ruthie Knox versus the Sarah Mayberry. Oh, the Ruthie Knox versus Sarah Mayberry about last night versus her best worst mistake. Correct. I wow. I don't see those as similar at all. Okay. I, I mean, I haven't read the I haven't read the Mayberry, so I don't. I can see where someone would say they were similar, but I don't think so. The heroines in both books are somewhat wild and have um, some amount of shame and self-castigation because they have done things that people have not liked and that they have been told they ought to be ashamed about. Um, the heroine in About Last Night by Ruthie Knox has done things that she feels terrible about and feels a great deal of shame about that she wishes she maybe she wished she wishes she could go back and tell herself don't do that you're going to feel shitty later on and okay. she is working really really hard to live what she considers the straight and narrow and nothing exciting no no sex no fun no nothing she's starting her life over and she is not going to make these big fat ugly mistakes anymore the heroine in hot uh, it's not Highland, Hot Island Nights. The heroine in her best, her best worst mistake is different and wild and crazy and gets attention and is flamboyant, but she owns that part of herself. And she realizes that people may not like her for that, but she's not going to change because that's who she is. She's not trying to hide or change or conceal who she is or reform herself forcibly. She just is who she is, even though it has cost her a lot of things that she wishes she hadn't lost. It is very much a case of the thing the, the the combustible negativity that's between these two people is hiding a great deal of of, of attraction. They would they would never act on the attraction while um, Elizabeth, the character who leaves, while Elizabeth is there, even if they had considered for a moment that they might be attracted to each other, which they didn't, they would never have acted on it while Elizabeth was there. Part of the conflict in her best worst mistake is that once Elizabeth breaks her engagement to Martin because she realizes that Martin and her grandparents have kept some very big secrets from her, Martin is miserable. He really cared about Elizabeth and he's miserable and very, very sort of grieving for his relationship and, and with her. And he has never liked Violet because... He is someone who cares very much what people think and is trying to make the right impression. And Violet doesn't always make the right impression, although she has the right sort of pedigree. When they fight, it's almost always in the beginning while Elizabeth is there. 
because neither of them likes the influence that the other has on Elizabeth. So once Elizabeth is not there anymore, their relationship completely breaks down and rebuilds. And it's not so much I hate you anymore. It's not an I hate you story much past the first chapter. But see, I didn't know that. You know, my impression is that they're constantly sparring and disagreeing. And um, I just wonder the beginning, if yes, don't want to read that. In the beginning, they dislike each other, but they are not disagreeably bad people. Like, I didn't have to reform my opinion of either one of them. I thought Martin was a stick in the mud. But then when I learned why he was the way he was, I had a lot of empathy for him. And I also realized that he was trying very hard, much like the heroine in About Last Night by Ruthie Knox, to fit in with what others expected. Right, because he didn't come from money. Correct. Um, I, I just wonder if it's the antagonism that people don't want, that people perceive the book is about mm -hmm. and, and then don't, aren't, aren't attracted to that. Yes, because there was a, a whole history in romance of, of, I think it was Candy called them fight them and fuck them stories. Where they'd fight and fuck and fight and fuck and fight and fuck and then they'd, they'd be like, oh my God, I love you. This is so great. Let's have a happy ending. And That's then be a perfect ending. But you know exactly what kind of books I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Fight them and fuck them books. Like, oh, we fight, we fuck, we fight, we fuck. And then, oh, I love you. This is great. Happy ever after the end. Really? This is not like that. This is not a fight them and fuck them book. I'm pretty sure Candy came up with that. It was a really good description. The other books that I really like that are a little later in the summer, Molly O'Keefe's Can't Buy Me Love and then Can't Hurry Love. I, have, I haven't read Can't Hurry Love, but if it's anything like Can't Buy Me Love, I'm all over it. Well, I will really be interested to hear what you think of the second book. Uh -oh. I just like this. No, no, no. Uh oh, <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I didn't like the second book as much. And um, I know another reader who read it who had a totally different reaction than I did. Really? Yeah. And she thought that it was a very misogynistic overtone. And I thought that I was pretty sensitive to that and I didn't see that overtone at all. In fact, I feel like Molly O'Keefe's book are very much kind of, you know, about women finding themselves and uh -huh. learning to stand on their own two feet and then having um, a love that's supportive. Hmm. But one of the parts of the book in the second um, book, the, the hero's mother abandons him and then she comes back into his life later in the book and I wasn't in love with how that storyline resolved. That's interesting. Molly O'Keefe's Super Romance for June I really liked. Is that the other one that was about grief you said? Yes. Which one is that? Well, let me look. Well, oh, crap. <laughs> Are you trying to trick me? <laughs> yes, it's a pop quiz. Ooh, ooh, and I win. It's Unexpected Family. Now, you told me you already read the Loretta Chase Scandal Wears Satin, but you had a couple problems with it. Am I right? What's the likelihood three dressmakers are going to marry titled people, right? Yeah, of course. I'm already suspending my disbelief there. All right. So, um, but the problem was that this story relies on so many implausibilities and she brings in past characters. I thought the cast was too large and confusing to readers who hadn't been following her. It was somewhat confusing to me and I've read every book she ever wrote. Um, I just, 
I don't know. I love Loretta Chase. I think she's an amazing author. This one just didn't do it for me. Oh, bummer. Oh, I'll tell you a book I did. Oh, but this is an August book. That's all right. You can go to August. It's all right. Okay, so an August um, book that I highly recommend is a YA book called Pushing the Limits by Katie McGarry. And do you remember that? Because Jane Hogenberg, is that how I pronounced her last name? Yes, this is the one that's the YA. Yeah, she contacted you. To... Because you wanted a copy and she didn't know if you'd had one. Yes, of course, I know exactly which book this is. Right. It's supposed it to be is... really angsty. It, it's such a good book. I don't know if it's, well, it is a little angsty, but. Um, is it a romance? It is a romance and there's a lot of sexual tension in the book. So I feel like adult readers won't feel like there's not enough adult emotion. In fact, there's so much adult emotion. I'd be a little uncomfortable with young teens reading it. Right. But the uh, characters are both um in uh, court, not court ordered, but school ordered uh, counseling. And the, and the male character, his parents died and he has two bro- younger brothers and no relatives and they were put into the foster system. And so he had, you know, he had lived the normal teen boy life, um, popular, um, successful, and then it was all taken away from him because he, when he was put into the foster care, one of the foster fathers was hitting another foster kid. And so he punched the foster father. And after that, he was noted as a problem child in the foster care system. And they limited his access to his younger brothers. So he couldn't see them without supervised care. Um, and his whole his whole goal is to get a job and then fight for custody of his younger brothers. And it's so sweet and heartwarming. It's and it's pain, but painful too. Just you know, he lives for the moments that he gets to see his younger brothers. Oh my goodness! And then the girl is um, the daughter of a fairly wealthy man. And who remarried their nan- her nanny, <laughs> and had and th- her and the nanny's pregnant. She just lost her older brother um, in uh, Afghanistan, um, and her mom uh, did something really terrible to her, and she's blocked it out, and she can't remember everything, um, but it caused her some physical harm. Oh my! And so the the two are in counseling, and they are. So it, you know he's like hangs out with the stoners, which is you you know where he wouldn't ordinarily hang out. And then she uh, used to be part of the in crowd, but they're both you know kind of on the outs um, because she had this episode where she broke down and was in the psychiatric hospital and has been secretive about it and. It's really, there's some interesting high school dynamics that are in there, but also about the two of them and how they come to support and rely upon each other. So it's good? Yeah, I was a big fan. Did it make you choked up? Well, I might have, 
uh, coughed a few times. So what you're saying is I'm going to cry like a fool. <laughs> I, you might. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably a definite. <laughs> I have no shame about the fact that books make me cry. It's just when it happens in public and people get worried. All right. I will, I will read that. That one comes out July 31st. No, August 1st. It comes out August 1st. So you think that's going to be a YA that will appeal to a lot of, um, to a lot of readers. Yeah, I, th I think so. I mean, I, I'm not a huge YA reader and I, I thought this had a lot of, um, adult like themes in it, or at least adult store. I don't know. I think that, I think that older people can relate to, um, the pain that these two kids were suffering, that they didn't right. seem like a juvenile issue. Right. It wasn't about popularity for these kids. You know, it wasn't about dealing with high school tragedy. These two were really dealing with adult-like problems. You didn't ever really lose your patience with the protagonist, like, you know, oh, for God's sake, just grow up already? Never. And in fact, like half the time I was like, oh, I wonder if I should be a foster parent so I could take in these poor kids. <laughs> <laughs> I finished Instant Attraction by Jill Chavez and Googled skiing lessons. So, um, yeah, that's a that's a danger for me. <laughs> I'm very impressionable, apparently. Let's see. Uh, Hannah Martine's Liquid Lies is a somewhat different paranormal. And that comes out July 3rd. What did you like about that one? Uh, that it was somewhat different paranormal. Well, you know, it didn't have any mate bonds. Did anyone smell like a croissant? No one smelled like a croissant. I got a Karis Roan book in the mail and I was like, oh, ooh, which one's this? Is it coffee and donuts? <laughs> I'm going to try to read some of my Harlequin Presents. I'm so behind on that. How long does it take you to read, about, read a Harlequin Presents? You read them oh, in about an evening? Two hours. Wow, you are fast. They take me closer to about three. Maybe, maybe, let's see, I read Her Best Worst Mistake about four hours I think total but that was you know in the car and at the pool and stuff like that um there's actually a book I did <laughs> talk about guilty pleasures um there was a Harlequin Presents um let me look this up by Lynn Graham and the hero is a total misogynist but he's kind of like not a buffoon but because that's not right I'm trying to think of the correct word for it but inoffensive or uh, non-malevolent <laughs> I don't know it's called a deal at the altar it was a May Harlequin presents the heroine was big bosomed and plain and I told a friend about that she's like oh a Jude Devereaux heroine <laughs> that's so totally true <laughs> um, there's a there was a scene that's where the heroine met tits. up with the hero's mistress and then went to her ex-boyfriends to discuss a charity that they had um they had set up before she had hooked up with Sergio yes, um, of course. but instead of accusing her of being a faithless whore <laughs> he comes to her and he's like oh I know I've been terrible to you and this is why you've been driven to the arms of another man and I'm going to show you that I am the only man you need <laughs> and I'm going to fix this and I thought well that's a totally different response Wow. So, I mean, it was kind of fun. It was sudsy. It's <laughs> very sudsy. But most Harlequin presents that are really good are sudsy. 
So that's our roundup of summer reading so far. If you have suggestions of books we should have talked about, you can email us at sbjpodcast at gmail.com or you can call and leave us a message at 1-201-371-DBSA. Please don't forget to leave your name and where you're calling from so we can work your message into a future podcast. And please be aware that's a U.S. number. So if you're calling from overseas, be aware of all the money you might be spending while you talk about books. Because ever notice that having a conversation about books is never a short conversation? The music, as always, is provided by Sassy Outwater. And yes, this is the Peat Bog Fairies because I really like them. And judging by the comments, so do a lot of you guys. Future podcasts are going to feature some more interviews and some interesting conversations with folks at a certain bird-named publisher. And on behalf of Jane and myself, wherever you are, we wish you the very best of reading. 